Welcome to the Midlife Career Rebel, the podcast created for high-achieving professional women to gain the clarity, confidence, and courage they need to go after and get the life and career they want. I'm your host, Dr. Carol Parker-Walsh, lawyer, social scientist, brand strategist, executive coach, entrepreneur, and midlife career rebel. Each week, you'll learn strategies to manage your mind, navigate the challenges of midlife, and take control of your career so you can thrive doing the work you love. So if you're ready to tear up that rule book and create your own, you're in the right place. And I can't wait to show you how. Hey, 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 Rebels. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm so excited about my guest today. He is going to bring a wealth of knowledge and experience that you are definitely going to want to pay attention to. His name is Bernie Borges. He is the vice president and global content marketing person at ICOR, a leading BPO. He's the co-founder and advisory board member of Ingresso, the digital sales transformation company. And Bernie is also a voiceover professional and the host of the Midlife Fulfilled podcast. And actually, that's how we met was through his podcast. Now, Bernie's career spans three decades in B2B marketing roles and sales roles in tech. And he founded and grew the digital marketing agency Find and Convert, which after 15 years merged into Vingresso in 2017. Now he speaks about marketing at industry events. He's the author of Marketing 2.0, one of his earliest books written on social media marketing. And he's been recognized by industry peers as the as one of the top 25 marketing executives to learn from in 2023 and from SEM Rush's top 100 content marketing influencers in 2022. He also has taught content marketing at the University of South Florida in their digital marketing certification program. So this individual is not only an expert in, you know, fulfilling your life and bit life, but also in talking about marketing And that is what I'm so excited to talk about today with you, Bernie, is about marketing and how marketing fits in the midlife career for so many women out there who are looking to rev up or reinvent or or retool their career. So with that, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me, Dr. Walsh. I'm looking forward to the next three hours because I've got a lot to cover with you on this topic. We're not going to go three hours, <laughs> just, just FYI, but <laughs> I know we couldn't go for three hours. So I'm really excited about that. So why don't we just start with, you know, your career. I love that you've had this very broad in-depth career in marketing and that led you to this Midlife Fulfill podcast. And I would love to hear about your story and your journey from, from where you were to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So I majored in marketing in college, and I thought that I was going to be a product manager at Procter & Gamble. That's what I thought I was going to do for a living. And I finished my degree while I was already uh, in technology sales during the day, and I I completed my degree at night. So after I graduated, I just stayed in sales, uh, technology sales, because I was actually enjoying it. I did well. I liked it. And then I was selling for a software company out in California, Mountain View, California, and I was working out of their headquarters office and I built relationships with the marketing team. And then one day, the the VP of marketing, this is before CMOs existed, the VP of marketing called me into his office and said, Bernie, you've got a lot of really good ideas. Why don't you come inside and join us? And that was my sort of pivot. At that point, I was in sales for about 10 years and I pivoted into marketing in that role. 
and haven't looked back. I've been in marketing for three decades now, including, as you mentioned in the intro, my background, running my own digital marketing agency. And uh, I love the fact that I've got the sales experience in my background mm -hmm. um, that really gives me a lens that really helps me tremendously in my, my marketing career, especially since I've been in B2B marketing my entire career. Mm -hmm. And then what led you to the podcast to Midlife Fulfilled? So I've been podcasting for 10 years now, exactly 10 years. And uh, this is my fourth podcast. And I was kind of in between podcasts and I had this burning desire to launch another new podcast a year ago, uh, early 2022. And I didn't quite know what it was going to be about. So I kept thinking, you know, what's the topic going to be? And I just kept thinking. And then midlife popped into my head, mostly because of the phase of life that I'm in. Mm. And then I decided, well, let me do some research on that. And what I discovered is that the vast majority of the midlife podcasts out there, like yours, are hosted by women for women. Mm. And I found very few podcasts that were not necessarily dedicated to women. And then I decided to focus on um, the topic of fulfillment because I didn't find anything on fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I found this whole report on the happiness U curve and I dug into that and I just decided, you know, no one that I can find is talking about fulfillment. So I just dove in and just said, that's, that's my thing. I'm going to focus on that. So that led me to the Midlife Fulfill podcast. I love that. And it, you definitely, I'm going to drop the link to the podcast in the show notes. It's something that you want to listen to because I love that you're talking about fulfillment in midlife because it's, it is a topic that's not often talked about, but it's such an important thing that I think so many people experience and are going through or trying to figure out in midlife and to having a place to go to as a starting place to think about and to listen to and to talk about those issues, I think are very, very important. So kudos to you for doing that. And again, like I said, that's how we met because I was had the pleasure of being a guest on the podcast. So you definitely want to check out that episode as well. But uh, <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, uh, <laughs> let me let me just identify here that uh, your episode is episode 74. Fabulous. So there you go. Earmark it and go check it out because then you can hear another side of our conversation uh, on that episode. So I appreciate that. So you know, Bernie, what I wanted, what I would love to pick your brain on today, which I think would be fabulous for those of us who are listening, those women at, at midlife, is the relationship between marketing and career advancement, development, particularly at midlife when, and, and you know, our audience, we're, we're mostly women at midlife. Mm -hmm. And I always talk about really struggling in terms of speaking about your brilliance and showcasing your brilliance and, and finding ways to do that so that people can actually find you and see everything that you bring to the table. I'm curious, just generally, have you done any work with women or just generally, generally in populations around helping people to identify that? And even if you haven't, like what kind of ideas do you think um, would be important for them to know as well as maybe some areas in which you think are struggle points that you know people should really think about if they're going to be marketing themselves out there sure, around their career. Sure. Well, I, I haven't specifically worked with just women per se, and I really haven't uh, focused on either men or women, but really just broadly 
the demographic of, of midlife people, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. there's an article that was published in, um, I forget the magazine, um, famous magazine, uh, I think it was Fast Company, by Tom Peters, and it was all about the brand called you. Mm. And that article was really eye opening. And I'll tell you what's really eye opening about that article. And that is are you ready for this? It published in 1997. Mm. Now, LinkedIn did not exist in 1997. Really nothing as we know it today existed in 1997. He was so mm -hmm. ahead of his time talking mm -hmm. about this concept of this brand called you. Well, fast forward to 2023 and it's not optional. We are all a brand. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what role, what, 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 what job title you have, or even what industry you're in. We all have a brand unless you don't exist anywhere on social media. And let's face it, if you're a knowledge worker of any kind, you need to have a LinkedIn profile. I know you're big on LinkedIn as, as mm -hmm. am I. And so really it starts with that level of awareness. And also if there's any level of discomfort associated with that, then go get a copy of Brian Tracy's book, uh, each, eat, eat, I think it's called, um, eat your frog first or something like that. Yes. Right? You know yes. That book? yes. Right. And it's just the concept of eat, eat your frog first is the concept of like, do the thing that you fear the most first, do mm -hmm. the thing that's hardest to do first. If building your personal brand is challenging in any way, then tackle it. Just mm -hmm. get active on LinkedIn, start by following people. And I'm not suggesting that anyone listening to this hasn't already started, but if you need to get to the next level, right? Engage with more people, set a goal. What's, what's your unique goal, right? And so start with what are your current values and who do you want to be connected to within either your current industry, or maybe you're looking to expand into a new industry, identify both companies and people at those companies and start engaging with them. And one of the things that I've always been an advocate of is before you even begin to ask people to connect with you, engage with them. Simple analogy here. If you're at a cocktail party and you walk up to a group of say four or five people, you don't ask someone either for a date, if you want a date or for a business meeting, if you want a business meeting, no, you, you engage in conversation. Yeah. You start and with hi. You, <laughs> yeah. Hi. And you start just engaging in a conversation. You respond to something that they said, and maybe, you know, you compliment them in an authentic way, but you engage them in conversations so that they engage with you. The mm -hmm. same principle applies when midlifers are struggling with social media is just look to engage with people on social media in a way that just is human. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the two most common pillars right now in social media, and I'm not saying these are the only two, but I think these are the two biggest are LinkedIn for professional networking and Instagram, which can also be for pro professional networking, but also for, for a little bit more of the human touch. Although I'm really impressed with a lot of the human humanity that I'm seeing on LinkedIn these days, a lot of humanity on LinkedIn. And I yeah. love that. But on Instagram, you know, like I just posted a photo of me and my wife and something that we did over the weekend, along with some other photos that support an activity that we did that was, you know, at a local beach where I said, hey, we were a tourist this weekend, that sort of thing. You know, mm -hmm. and I'm going to put that on Instagram, not on 
on LinkedIn. But doing both, showing who you are as a real person, not a fake person, not someone you want people to think you are, but really, truly just being yourself. And, you know, I'm going to say this, too, and that is that if you have strong opinions on on controversial topics and you are okay sharing them, then go ahead. If that's who you are, be you, Mm -hmm. you know. I've heard advice that don't talk about politics. You know what? If that's your thing or you just really want to express yourself, I know lots of people that I know professionally and they express their political views. I respect Mm -hmm. them for it. Whether or not I align with them, that doesn't matter. I respect them for just their voice. They're sharing their voice because they want to. And if you don't want to, that's okay too. There's no right or wrong. The only right or wrong, so to speak, I'm using air quotes for uh, for the listener, is just to be be you, be real, be authentic, and share content. That's the other thing, Dr. Walsh, is that you've got to share content in, in order to build your brand, whether mm-hmm. it's your original content or your repurposing content. So, for example, on my Midlife Fulfilled podcast, of course I'm sharing my own content like your episode is going to get shared out there just like every episode will but i'm sharing other content from other credible sources that just provides relevant information if Mm -hmm. i can inform if i can educate even entertain a little bit then that helps me and my brand as well yeah I love that. Okay. So you shared a lot of valuable, valuable information. I want to go back to something because I definitely think there are people here who are beginners and advanced, right? Because some people have avoided it like the, like the plague. But one of the things that you said is that we all have a brand. And I think that is such an important concept because I think people believe, well, if I'm not on social or if I don't post or if I post sporadically that I'm not, my brand's not out there yet. And not realizing that both your absence and your presence sends a message. (laughs) Either one sends some type of a message that your brand could be created, whether you are curating it or managing it or not, that it exists out there. Would would you agree with that? what, What more would you say about that with people thinking, oh no, I haven't really put my brand out there. Yeah. So I'll come back to what I said earlier about there's no right or wrong. However, if you want to achieve some next step in your career and you don't currently have a strong personal brand, then I really think you should think about that because you might be selling yourself short. You might be missing out on opportunities because Mm -hmm. you're not visible. So again, it's not wrong to not be visible, but it could limit your career opportunities just depending on what your goals are so yeah it it does start with that matter yeah your goals matter exactly so if someone has a goal and i know that you're specifically asking me to address women in midlife so if women in midlife have a goal of, of advancing their career in some way shape or form whatever that looks like then just think about your personal brand how are you known today If the answer is not known at all, then ask yourself, how do you want to be known? For what subject matter do you want to be known? For what domain or industry or topic do you want to be known? And then start engaging with people who are already known. You can just 
search for them find just you can do hashtag searches or even keyword searches and start engaging with those people back to that analogy of if you're at a cocktail party and there's a group of people you engage in conversation you don't walk up to someone and say i want a business meeting with you you start a conversation and you hope to engage in a human conversation which maybe at some point in some conversation it may not be that one might result in a business meeting you know if you ask with the right timing so engaging with people build the klt factor the no like and trust factor it's just that that elementary right you want to build that no like and trust factor and so back to what do you want to be known for and then just start showing up around that topic consistently mm-hmm. not every 17 and a half days but <laughs> ideally every day ideally and here's another point on that dr walsh so I, i've often heard well i don't have time i don't have time i'm, I'm crazy busy i'm crazy busy okay it's like maybe going to the gym. If you haven't gotten into the habit, mm. in the beginning, you have to force yourself. Eventually, mm. it becomes habit. Eventually, it becomes part of your routine. And you don't really even have to think about putting it on your schedule or your calendar because eventually it is part of your routine. But if it's something that you're not accustomed to and it isn't routine now, then you do have to force it kind of like if starting going to the gym for the very first time, you have to force that before it does become routine. That is a great analogy because you're right. I hear that all the time is that I don't have time to be on social media. And sometimes I translate that to mean you're just afraid you're going to get trapped on social media for an hour because you're not posting. You're looking at everybody else. Everybody else's content. And really, if you're just focused on spending 10 minutes a day just putting something out there, that's really all the time. I think there's this misnomer, this idea that it's going to take hours to really show up in the digital space. Yeah. The the way another analogy that I would I would uh, share is think of it as making a deposit. And to take this analogy all the way, I'm making a deposit in a bank. Okay. And let's say it's small deposits. Okay. Again, just to stick with the analogies, let's just say it was a dollar a day and every day you're just making a deposit in the bank every day. So you can just feel good that every day you're just making a deposit when you're spending time engaging with people, relevant people. Okay. If you're watching cat videos, that's not relevant. You're not making a deposit watching cat videos, unless cats are your topic. In that yeah. case, yes. But if that's yes. not the case, yes. If you're, you're a veterinarian and you treat cats, then that's right. perfect. If right. you're an engineer, though, who's doing product development, that may not be your jam. <laughs> exactly. So just think of it as you're making deposits every day, and then eventually those deposits begin to return to you. Mm. As well as again, when you're building that no like and trust factor, you can reach a point in engagement with people where you feel confident asking for someone to meet with you or asking someone to give you an introduction to someone else Mm. or a referral which is kind of like an introduction and but that's something that you have to kind of feel confident about based on you've built some no like and trust yeah engaging with 
Yeah, I love that analogy about making a deposit because you are, it's like an investment into your your career or to you, you know, having more visibility or showing up. And I remember I was talking with someone and they were at a conference and they shared with me that and it was a lot of CEOs at the conference and they talked about how they are actually going onto LinkedIn and looking up their employees to see what they're saying and how they're contributing to the industry or how they're showing up and representing their company. Because obviously as a CEO of a big company, they don't know everybody that works there, but they are using LinkedIn to see who are the stars um, in their company and actually tapping those people to do certain projects or to show up a certain way on behalf of the company. So there definitely is a payoff in the end because people will find you and see you, particularly if you're consistent and if you're visible. So I think those that is great. The other thing I often hear, and I'm sure you do too, is what do I post, right? There's this, this idea of posting content becomes this nebulous idea of like, I have no idea what to say or what should I be saying? Um, and I know you talked about values and goals and um, the, the ways and who you want to be connected to as a way to show up on LinkedIn. But in terms of content, what is, is some of your tips or advice on doing that in a way that's not overly time consuming, but definitely keeps you in line with your brand. Sure. Okay. I've got a simple little three letter acronym, also known as a TLA, in case you didn't know that one. So this one is OPC, other people's content. So simply share other people's content. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, depending on your topic. So you mentioned engineering. Okay, let's just say uh, it's civil engineering. So there's no shortage, I'm sure, I don't know from firsthand experience, but I'm sure there's no shortage of websites and blogs on civil engineering. And again, that's just an example. Mm -hmm. So bookmark a whole bunch of those and once a day find an interesting article. In this example that I'm using on civil engineering, take that link and it's it's public domain content. I've been asked, can I share that? Of course you can, it's public domain content. Take Mm -hmm. the link to that article and then drop it into a LinkedIn post on LinkedIn and add your commentary to it. Just say something about your observation about what you read in that article. You don't have to say a lot. You can, if you want, LinkedIn gives you up to, I think it's 2000 characters, which is a lot. Mm -hmm. You don't have to use them. You can just say a sentence or two or however much you want to say. That's easy to do because it's your topic. It's your area Mm -hmm. of focus and expertise. Yeah. OPC. I love it. That's much that song you down with OPC. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And that's such an easy thing to do. And I love your suggestion about just add a sentence or two with it. So that way it just gives people an idea of your thought or your opinions, or it just centers you around the, the other people's content that you're sharing. But I think that is such great advice. And it's it's an easy thing to do, particularly if you're going to bookmark some other you know, articles or blogs or things of that nature that when something pops up of interest, then you could go ahead and post that. One thing that I do on that is I will pick out one specific point from the article and then I'll add my thoughts in that article. Mm. And that does two things. Number one is it, it gives me something to say, but it also demonstrates that I read the article. Mm-hmm. So what I, what I don't advise is someone just copying an article and saying, great article. You know, that doesn't, that you're not lending any value, right? Yeah. And that's what you want to do. It's just like walking up to a conversation at a cocktail party 
and someone says something and you go, great point. And then you don't say anything else, mm -hmm. you know, like share something, say something that has meaning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And just so pick something from the article and comment on it. Yeah. So this kind of brings me back to another point you talked about, which was being authentic and showing up authentically online, because I think there's also, and you could tell me if you have heard about this in your experience, I think people at midlife, we have been raised with this idea of showing up professionally in professional spaces. So this idea of being authentic and real feels to some people unprofessional, right? That they should keep their game face on at all time when they are um, in the social space that, cause that's how they were taught to show up at work. How do you help people kind of reconcile that to really to show up and be genuine and authentically themselves? Sure. Well, if you think about any career, no one is hiring a robot. <laughs> we don't, we don't work with companies. We work with people inside of companies. Mm. And so the common theme there is that they're all humans. We are working with humans. So whether we want to admit this or not, there's a harsh reality out there. If there were five people that I was looking at on say five different tabs on LinkedIn, and they all had, let's say pretty similar experience. If one of them seemed a little more interesting to me with no less experience, that person's going to have an edge mm -hmm. in terms of the impression, impression that they make on me. And if I only need to contact one or two people, it might be the one that seems a little more interesting to me, all other things being equal. Yeah. So it's just, wow. it comes down to humanity. It really, really does. Mm, yeah. That is so awesome. It is so true. It's just those little things that can differentiate you from someone else. If I feel like there's a connection that I can make with you above someone else, because like you said, you're working with people, but yeah, I know people, they get really weird about being personal in that, in that space. Yeah, please. One other point. And, and I know you're big on LinkedIn as well. And I know you're going to agree with me on this. I, I know. Yeah. It. And that is your photo, your photo on LinkedIn. You know what I want to see when I look at your photo? I want to see your teeth smile, look happy, look like someone that, you know, I'm going to have a good encounter with. Don't, don't look mad or set or, or, or <laughs> so serious that like, mm, I don't know if I want to talk to that person. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah. Again, it comes back to that humanity factor. Look approachable, look like you're someone that, you know, that first conversation is going to be enjoyable because you've got that, that appearance. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of which I always tell people, please don't post pictures of you 20 years ago, you know, right. let it be current so that if I yes. actually meet you, you look like the picture that I'm seeing yep. <laughs> and not, you know, when you were 20 years younger and right. you know, that nature because that's a that's another thing that i think people struggle with a little bit is, is speaking of authenticity and being real you know it's just showing exactly. this, is, this is who i am and this is where i am today yeah <laughs> exactly exactly so the other thing um i know as a marketer as a digital marketer i'm sure you work with um other companies who are looking to rebrand right they they maybe started out one way and now they're maybe seeking to 
I don't know, either launch something new or shift it up and kind of change their whole look, right? We saw Meta rebranded from, you know, Facebook and, you know, we see that all the time. For an individual who was looking, maybe they have spent using our earlier example, a career in civil engineering, and now they want to maybe switch to a career and I'm just coming up with this. So don't, the people are like, that's crazy, but I'm going to say it anyway. They're, maybe they want to go into a career in, in um, pharmaceutical sales. I don't know. Right. You know, so something that's really swing, swinging the pendulum to something different. Are there ways that you would suggest that people think about how to change the narrative so that they're seen more in the light of a pharmaceutical sales rep as opposed to the career they spent as a civil engineer? Well, using that example, Dr. Walsh, if I was if I wanted to switch to pharmaceutical sales, then I'm going to ask myself, well, what can I do to exude some kind of uh, credentials around that. Mm. Well, if I don't have that in my background, I better start posting content about it. Mm. Maybe I'll even go all the way to an extreme and start a blog about pharmaceutical something or other and make sure that I'm producing content around that so that if I want to make that switch, I'm not asking someone to take me at my word that I, I'm going to really embrace this. I want to show that I've already embraced this domain. Mm. So I've got to start making that part of my brand, not wishing it to be part of my brand, but actually making it part of my brand. Going back to things I've already discussed here, right? The OPC and just sharing content around that. Mm -hmm. And then even on LinkedIn, as you know, we have an about section and we get 2000 characters in that about section. Tell your story there. Tell your, mm -hmm. your pharmaceutical sales transition story, whatever that is, tell it mm -hmm. there, but tell it there in a, in a humane way. And by the way, in first person, which this is subjective. Some people may disagree with me. I think telling that story in first person, you know, I, this, and I, that, as opposed mm -hmm. to someone writing it in third person, that feels very distant and formal. Mm -hmm. And I think takes away from that human element that I keep you know, talking about being so important. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I'm glad you brought that up because that's often a question is that again, that whole formality that maybe we were taught or grew up with that, you know, to keep it in the third person and to like keep that distance because it's supposed to be professional and not build the connection. And I just love so much of what you're sharing about that it really is about connection, right? Like you show up at the cocktail party, you're saying, hi, you're saying, look at me in the picture and so on and so forth. So all great, great, great information and great content there. The other question I have about LinkedIn is recommendations and whether or not, you know, I, I've, I've heard that people don't really ask for recommendations anymore, particularly if they could go to your LinkedIn profile and see some recommendations um, or people speaking about you in your field, or if you're transitioning, speaking about you in the new field, um, you know, and writing something there. Do you have thoughts or comments around the recommendation section on LinkedIn? Yeah, I think the recommendations area of LinkedIn can be very powerful. Uh, I think uh, reaching out and asking people that you've worked with recently and even in years past to write a recommendation for you, um, especially people that you've reported directly to, but then also writing recommendations for people that you've worked with and worked for. Because mm. you know what LinkedIn does? You know, you know it, what LinkedIn does. When I write a recommendation for someone, then LinkedIn turns around and says to that person, would you like to write a recommendation for Bernie? 
Mm-hmm. And and not and not that it always happens, but it certainly can. Mm-hmm. And and there's nothing to be no reason to be shy about it. Write a recommendation, and if you know the person well enough, then ask them to write a recommendation for you. Um, or just start out by asking for recommendation, especially for people that you've reported into in the past. Absolutely. That can be very, very powerful. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you for sharing that. So I, I want to ask another question about the about section, because I just want to go back to that for a second, because you talked about speaking about it in, in um, first person and, you know, sharing experiences that are related to your areas of interest probably, as you said earlier, your values, your goals, and, you know, the ways that you want to be seen and connected. There's been a lot of conversation around storytelling, digital storytelling, and being able to speak from that perspective to not just, you know, write your basically regurgitating your resume in prose form, but instead actually telling a story that builds connections. What, what is your tips or advice in terms of how to do that well? Yeah, so the storytelling comes down to uh, writing and sometimes people need help with that. But to your point, I think it's a great point and that is tell your story. So for example, in the about section, the first three, maybe four lines are what shows up quote unquote above the fold. And what I mean by above the fold is when you're looking at, looking at a LinkedIn profile, the about section is only going to display the first three or four lines. And then if you want to read the rest of it, there's two little words there that are hyperlinked and it says, see more. So those three or four lines need to begin to tell a story that would inspire someone to click see more and open up the rest mm. of the about section. Mm-hmm. So in those first three or four lines, grab their attention and be creative. Think of some way of grabbing their attention. You can begin to tell a story and it can be a little off topic to just kind of, you know, get someone's attention, but then connect it. Don't do it as a bait and switch thing. Connect it, bridge to your career and your value proposition and what you've done in the past. You know, I've heard people say things like, you know, when I was eight years old, I I was at a theme park with my parents and I was just enamored by the people that were uh, just the employees that were there. They really loved their job. And it really made me realize the importance of customer service. And then that person Mm. bridged into their entire career being around customer service, but they began by telling the story of when they were eight years old and an experience that they remembered and how Mm. enamored they were by customer service. That's a great example. So think of a creative way to tell a story, open up with something that's unique and a little attention grabbing, you know, and then, you know, capture their attention and then bring it into your career story and and tell it in a way that is truly a story and not a quote unquote resume. And let me also add one other point, and that is I'm a big fan of on in the about section including a little bit of information, personal information. So for example, in my case, I say, you know, on the weekends, you might find me kayaking on the waters of Tampa Bay with my wife, you know, that kind of thing. Um, It just shows a little, a little glimpse into, you know, who I am outside of work. Yeah. 
right? I love that. And it builds connection. And it's not you telling everything about you and your family. And I think there's this misconception that I have to share all my personal information. And you're just putting one little tidbit that gives a little glimpse about who you are, what you're interested in, and can build some level of connection. Like even when you said earlier that you worked in Mountain View, the first thing that popped to my mind is my sister lives in Mountain View and I've been to Mountain View a hundred times. And so immediately there's a whole thing we could talk about and what was it like to live in Mountain View? I mean, these little tidbits of information can help to build relationship and build connection that to your point builds that no like and trust factor that is so important that will differentiate you from other people who are trying to go after the same position or promotion or the like such good tips and information yeah yeah anything else that you would want to share for the midlife professional who is trying to tiptoe into the digital space (laughs) and to showcase their brilliance in a way that maybe they haven't thought about before. So I think what I'll say is I'll come back to the, the, the concept that I was discussing earlier. And that is that if it's something that's new to you, then force yourself to do it in the beginning so that you can eventually get to the point at which it's habit because that's where the magic happens. And, and here's what can and will happen eventually. Well, I can't predict when it will happen or to what extent, but it can happen and it will happen. And that is that at some point, someone will reach out to you based on how you have been engaging and showing up online. At some point that will happen. And don't be surprised if they say something like, I've noticed that you've been posting content on X, Y, Z. And I really like what you've been saying about X, Y, and Z. Don't be surprised if that happens, but don't expect it to happen in a week. And you can't even predict when it will happen, but if you're consistent, it will happen eventually. Yes. And don't panic and shut down your site because someone responded because you freaked out and somebody responding. That's the whole point. Engage. It's a beautiful opportunity to engage. So, and the other thing, you know, I've had other people share with me that, that they're very hesitant to connect to other people that they don't actually know. And one of the things that I have tried to instruct individuals is that, of course, you don't know most of the people on LinkedIn. It's great to connect who you know, but the idea is to expand that connection and create new ones. And the only way to kind of get to know them is to accept those connections from people that you don't know and to try to establish those initial conversations. So I think that's another thing that I would say if somebody does comment on everything you're doing to actually engage with the other person as well. Exactly. Exactly. You never know who they know. Yes. That's a great point. They always say there's like five degrees. What is seven degrees of separation? I think now in this, in this global digital economy, there's probably three degrees of separations between, you know, the people that you know, and the people that they know. So absolutely. Particularly if you're looking to, you know, transition or promote, you want to expand that network as much as possible because you don't know who people know and who that next connection could be that could get you into that new career or transitioning to something new. Yep. So, Bernie, I would love to ask you what, when you hear the term midlife career rebel, what comes to mind for you? Well, besides you, because that's the name <laughs> of your podcast, but a midlife career rebel is someone who is excited to get out of bed in the morning. Like they wow. have a purpose. 
right? When that alarm goes off in the morning, they're, they're ready. They have a purpose and they're excited about their day. To me, that is a midlife career rebel. Oh, I love that. That is so powerful. So powerful. Bertie, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Could you please share where can people find you, find the podcast to learn more? Sure. Well, thank you for having me. It's been, it's been a blast. Uh, so my podcast is the Midlife Fulfilled Podcast. I have a website called the uh, midlifefulfilled.com. And then, of course, I am active on LinkedIn and really most social media channels where I'm active. It's just my name, Bernie Borges, and last name is B-O-R-G-E-S. And again, Dr. Walsh, thank you so much for having me on the Midlife Career Rebel podcast. I love what you're doing on your podcast. Thank you. I so much appreciate that. And please check out Bernie on not only listen to the podcast, but check out his LinkedIn and Instagram so you can get some ideas about a real marketer, how they're putting their information out there in the world. It may give you some ideas and help you to feel a little bit safe and unafraid to go out there and put your information out there as well. Thank you again, Bernie. Thank you, Dr. Walsh. All right, Rebels. Well, that's it for the podcast. This is going to be one you're going to want to definitely bookmark and listen to again and again. There were so many nuggets. I took so many notes actually just listening uh, to Bernie. That would really help. The OPC one was the big one for me. So definitely make sure that you listen, take some notes. You probably listen again and again. And hey, I will see you next time on the podcast. And until then, have an amazingly rebellious week. I'll see you soon. That's it for this week's episode. Hey, and if you're loving what you're learning, be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss another episode. Also, don't forget to read the show notes and grab the free resources mentioned so you can start implementing what you're learning right away. Finally, are you ready to unlock your potential and fearlessly go after the career and life you want? Then join me and a community of other high-achieving women in midlife, stepping into new levels of leadership, switching it up to do the meaningful and fulfilling work they're meant to do, and glowing up by creating the systems of freedom to achieve their dreams in Fearless, the Career Rebel Academy. You'll find the link in the show notes. Simply fill out the application, and together, we'll determine if this is the right fit for you. I can't wait to see you there.